Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. And a fine Saturday matinee to you, gentlemen. Steve, Andy. Good morning. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the morning show. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See, now we've learned where the line is. Too early for that, Steve. Stay in your lane. Uh, Now, as I I speak to you both, it is uh, a, a... 
very dark early Saturday morning uh, here in Oregon. And I believe it is safe to say neither of you have seen the only movie that people are talking about. Is that correct, Star Wars? That's not correct. Oh, you saw it? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. I thought you were seeing it today. Well, I am. Again? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He's seeing it every day. That's what Andy does. Uh, Today's the day for the kids. He's in the he's oh, in the Blot Nelson right. zone where he can watch five hours of movies in thirty minutes. He's actually in the theater right now, Steve. Yes, That's right. <laughs> so let me just ask you this: Then I have one non-spoiler question, and I have asked everybody this: Did it make you cry? I is that I don't know if that's a fair question to ask. It's, oh, it's, it's setting fair. people's expectations up. I just want to know if it made you cry, Andy. It did make me cry, Pete. I knew it! I knew it would make you cry, and now I'm going to have to take some tissues. Yeah, I'm a well, crier, though. Ugh. Well, no, the question is, did, <laughs> did The Force Awakens make you cry? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. well, all right. Curses. To be fair, though, there were like at least two trailers before the movie that also made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big baby. What can I say? <laughs> What do you do with food at the movie? Because I'm going to the 920 movie, and I always feel a little bit shaky about getting popcorn in the morning. I, I never, do it. I never I mean, feel if, bad if, about if, that. When, when you're 14 <laughs> and your body can do anything, sure. At our age, yeah, that becomes a questionable decision that you may regret later in the day. Well, here's the thing. I This is the way I look at it. Uh, if I eat movie crap at a night show then i'm a mess and can't sleep but if i eat movie crap at early in the morning then i actually have the day to burn it off true is that rational at all am i that, that, that <laughs> so works i may be reaching that works may be reaching. yeah so load up everybody for me it's, load up. it's more just the cost it's so expensive to bring the kids oh, and no. then everybody's like oh because we're going again it's going to be lunchtime and i'm like we are eating lunch first because oh, i'm yeah. not feeding anybody at the movie theater because then it's a 50 dollars lunch and oh we're not paying yeah, that. right well we're going in just uh just a few hours with uh with jj and his family or his kids at least as well and uh um, we've we've all we've heard is that uh, it's it's a tearjerker in places. Okay. It might be. So so might JJ's going to be a mess coming out of this. Going to be a mess. Are you uh, Steve? Are you still unspoiled? I'm completely unspoiled. I, I'm right there. With, I'm, right, for you? I'm right there with Ben Lott. You know, walking in really nothing. Not because I almost. I okay. So here's here's the story. I almost got spoiled because I went online. To do do a favor for a very good friend of mine named Andy Nelson to go watch on Investigation Discovery, <laughs> Deadly Dentist, and so I'm in the I'm in the <laughs> app online watching episode, and then of course these things, you know, because I don't subscribe to cable TV, it's going to throw commercials in there, and it's always like, oh, some weird medication for this and stuff, and in the middle of the, the commercials, <laughs> all of a sudden this Last Jedi thing comes up. I'm like covering my eyes, running out of the room. Like, what are you trying to do to me? It was his secret plan. Yes, exactly. Maniacal laugh. <laughs> exactly. So I almost did. Thanks to Andy. I've seen, uh, I've seen, I haven't seen the latest trailer, I don't think. Uh, I've seen other trailers, though. And I have also seen footage from one of the cut scenes of uh, the Star Wars Battlefront 2, the, the Last Jedi um downloadable content so i've seen uh, a setting uh that looks 
really really good but uh, otherwise Ooh, uh, a setting uh, i don't know anything about any story elements i have no idea although what i've heard is that uh you know you see the movie and then go watch the trailer and it's holy spoilers oh yeah. Um, I don't know how that counts if you're not actually spoiled. If you don't know you're spoiled when you're watching the trailer um, and then you watch the movie and discover you were spoiled, I don't think that's a spoiler. I don't – I. it has uh, – you know, I don't know because I, I watched all the trailers and the latest one I'm like, gosh, I feel like it's spoiling stuff, but maybe they're playing with me. And I, you know, in retrospect, I feel like they they might have just been playing with me, putting things together. I mean, they I can see where that, there yeah. there might be some spoilery things in there, but I mean, that's the nature of spoilers. You know, you're you're showing stuff, and but usually it's without too much context until it's uh, yeah. 2020 hindsight. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the worst spoilers what? are. Yeah, if if like Empire Strikes Back, the trailer had been like Luke, I am your father, it would have been like yeah. <laughs> that would have been spoilery. Yeah. yeah, but it's like oh look, there's you know scenes like in the desert and there's scenes on an ice planet. Yeah, those aren't spoilers. It's I think what we're getting into is is it major plot reveals that would ruin some of the suspense of the story is what really is a spoiler. Whereas I I'm going further than that, which is I don't want to know anything because. I start thinking about the movie, and when I'm halfway through, I'm like, wait, we haven't seen that part where this happens, so I know this character is going to be safe until that point, or, oh, the story hasn't progressed to the lava planet yet, so I know we still got a whole big chunk of story to go. So to me, it's really about plotting the story that I I don't want to know anything about. I don't want to be trying to anticipate where things are going because I have prior information about locations and characters. But I gotta hand it to you, Steve. That is that is like the 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 clearest uh, reason not to watch trailers. That's not pedantic and um, you know a little bit frustrating. That is a very clear explanation of your position. Thank you. The, but it gets to a point where it's like that's like reading the back of the book to find out you know what the story's about. I mean, you can say, oh, the but the book kind of told me this stuff happened, so now I'm expecting it. And it's like to a certain point, I mean, there's a level of marketing that I think is expected, and I think. In the world of trailers, uh, you know, some of that is to be expected. And yes, you might see locations that, that, that happen at a much later point in the film rather than the earlier points in the film. But if you're going to kind of get a sampling of what a story is about and, you know, what, what it could do for you as far as uh, you kind of uh, giving to you as a story, I mean, that's, I guess that's just the nature of it. And I'm, I'm okay with that. One day we're going to get a movie that is of the uh, of the market and economic strength of Star Wars, where the director just says, "You know what? Only this poster, no trailers. <laughs> you get a poster, and it's white and it, it with black print that says, "This is the movie. You're going to see it on this date, and there will be no trailer. And you know what? We're going to see it anyway. We're going to see the hell out of it because it's a movie like that. This is a movie that didn't need a trailer. <laughs> like we would have gone anyway." Uh, but, um, but I, you know, I see your well, point. Well, yeah, I mean, Andy, to your point, I, I agree, you know, with, because there was a discussion, I think, on Flickchart where somebody was, like, talking about people sort of blind buying movies, like buying a movie on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever that they haven't seen and why that, you know, well, that's, you know, that's, are you willing to take that risk? Whereas people do that with books all the time. You buy books that you have never read yet. So why not buy a movie you've never seen before? Uh, but I think with, with movies and with books, a book is a much longer experience. And if I get, 
you know, a general sense of the story and the book, especially if it's an author I'm not familiar with, I need that. I, I usually want that information. Whereas you tell me it's Ryan Johnson making a Star Wars movie. I already know what Ryan Johnson does as a filmmaker. I know what Star Wars is likely to be about. I'm willing to walk in blind. But something like Lady Bird, yeah, that's a trailer I'm willing to watch. And I've always said, if I'm not sure if I'm going to see the movie, then I'll take a risk on the trailer because, yeah, I don't, I have no idea what to expect. So I want to know, is this something I'm willing to spend this much money and this much time on? But for movies that I absolutely know I'm going to see, or in the case of Ready Player One, I'm I'm willing to bend the rules because I've already read the book. You can't really spoil me on the plot. The spoilers are probably going to be in deviations from the book. So it's not the case with all movies, but really the ones that I know that I want to see, I want to have that pure experience. The ones that, you know, like trailers that you guys have picked today, I'm willing to watch those because I don't know much about those movies enough to decide that, yes, I know I definitely want to see them. So yeah, I want to see that trailer to let me know and make an informed decision. Sure. I mean, it's like a Stephen King fan saying, oh, well, I'll just buy it and read it. I don't need to read what it's about because I know it's Stephen King and I love reading him. Exactly. Uh, what do we know about uh, what's going on in the box office? I think uh, it's pretty much Star Wars all the way down. Yeah, Star Wars and Coco, I think, are probably going to be the, the the big ones. But I will say uh, Ferdinand uh, has been getting some good uh, counter-programming reviews for the kids. And um, it, it sounds like a good one to take the kids too. So I think that's probably a nice one to uh, kind of pair. I mean, I know, you know, Star Wars is obviously going to attract a lot of the kids too, but I think, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that one does because it actually is getting really good reviews, which I thought was rather surprising. So are we going to have a point at some, maybe this summer or spring where we're going to look and it's going to be all these top movies and we're going to realize it's all Disney because Disney owns Pixar. Disney owns <laughs> Lucasfilm. Disney now owns a big chunk of Fox. So are we getting to that point where it's Disney has the monopoly on the box office on the big weekends? I I don't know. I what do you guys think about that uh, the the Disney purchase? I I feel like the only thing I heard like they, they was reading all the news and the details and the money and the only thing I heard was oh my god X Men are back. <laughs> it's interesting because it's really I mean reading uh, deep about it for from Disney's perspective this whole thing is really about getting more stake in Hulu so that they can battle Netflix better. And that's really kind of, uh, I mean, obviously, they they want more content so that they can kind of plug it into Hulu. They're opening up their own um, uh, digital streaming service that's more kid-friendly um, in 2019, I believe. So Hulu, they're going to kind of, now that they're the, the, um, the, the uh, main stockholder in Hulu, um, they can push uh, more of the adult content there and they can move all of the, the kid content to what they're going to do in 2019. They're pulling out of Netflix. This is largely just a big thing to, to uh, counter all of that sort of stuff. You know, the, in all of the, what Netflix has shown is that it's a great model. And here they are, Disney, and uh, kind of taking on everything that Fox has just so they can uh, consider themselves a, a, a force uh, worth reckoning in the marketplace for it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I, I think it's it's interesting because as I've, ma- I've mentioned before, there's a lot of original programming on Hulu that's really strong and I really enjoy a lot of it. And it's nice to have that alternative to, to Netflix because, yeah, Netflix has some great original programming. But what I've seen over the past year is Hulu has really been able to negotiate some looks like some really strong contracts and deals with studios 
there was a huge, I think it was Sony that a bunch of their stuff went from Netflix over to Hulu. You used to go into Hulu and it was sort of like browsing, you know, Blockbuster where like there were the new releases and those were all gone. So you sort of picked through the direct to video stuff. That's used, that was what Hulu used to primarily have was a lot of this. I don't even remember hearing about this movie. What is this? I don't even recognize anybody in it. And now you're getting a lot more of those, those big name, uh, features over there so it's really a nice competitive market between the two and to me the strength of hulu is they've got that uh for i think abc nbc and, and fox any of their tv shows next day they're there so like i can watch saturday night live on sunday i can watch you know mm-hmm. all of those things the next day whereas netflix yeah you've got to wait till the season's done and then like six months before you're going to get to catch a show and so for me, that's how I, I balance my cord cutting is Netflix for their original programming and some movies. And Hulu has replaced my you know cable TV. I've got all these great network shows I've got access to, plus that great original programming like Marvel Runaways, you know, Shut Eye, The Path, great stuff on there. So I'm I'm interested Handmaid's in Tale. Hand, oh my gosh, yeah, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. yeah. I they have seriously been killing it, and they have a live TV service, yes, right? I they mean, do. you can pay up. I, that's that is a. They, I mean, they've just been killing yeah. it. They really have been killing it. At, you know, before this thing, I think the big fear, and and why I'm I say it's not necessarily a bad thing with to kind of under my breath because this media consolidation thing is it strikes a lot of fear, and uh, you know, and I I uh, this one is one of those examples where it's possible it's actually uh, it, it could actually be good for us and for nerds. You know, just want to get all their stuff in one place um, because there are a lot of sort of artificial political, you know, financial barriers that keep us from being able to to access our content where we want to get it. Uh, and, uh, you know, not that there's there isn't something to be concerned about when it comes to, uh, you know, media consolidation. Uh, we're not in an economic climate or a political climate where anybody's going to look at that, um, which is, you know. It is what it is. Uh, but, you know, in terms of being able to open Hulu on my devices and see the content I want to see, I think I'm more likely to be able to do that, um, you know, now than, you know, a week well, ago. Well, it seems like the walls have come down. Unless you're CBS. Well, yeah. But it, uh, what was really interesting was I, I've got an Apple TV and uh, there was a new channel that showed up there, Amazon Video. I was like, Yep. This hmm. this whole like movies anywhere deal where it's like now you buy it in one place and it shows up everywhere and to see that Apple's allowing a- an Amazon channel so you pay you're buying your movies from Amazon you can watch that on your Apple TV because before that was you know one of those you pick one or the other and now it's it's really opening up which I think is great uh but yes I'm cautiously optimistic to see okay if it, what's going on is it a data sharing thing what you know how are they monetizing this? But I think it's making it easier for the consumers, which everybody's all for. Unless you're CBS. Yes, unless you're <laughs> CBS. This episode's going to be called Unless You're CBS. Yes. So they, they still have a, a, a little tiny chunk of Star Trek, don't they? Uh, <laughs> yes. They'll cling. God. They're going to cling to that one. I spit at thee. <laughs> That's what they're saying. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, for crying out loud. Let's talk about trailers. Let's do it. Uh, Steve, you go first. Okay. What What is my trailer? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to read it out? No, 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 we haven't no, been drinking yet today. No, I know. I, that's the problem. I haven't had my coffee. 
different type of drinking <laughs> going on this morning. I got to remember what did I do? Oh, right now I remember because I was this, I watched mine last night. I watched yours this morning. We, so this, we're this calling was, yours the the soft hijack film. The, <laughs> okay, yes, it's, in our theme of hijack films. Okay, exactly. So this is uh, one that I sort of caught me. You know, it, I found it not where I normally find my trailers. Somebody else had shared it on Facebook. I was like. How did this get past me? So this is a film called The Public, written and directed by Emilio Estevez, and has, like, everybody in it. You've got Jenna Malone, Christian Slater, Alec Baldwin, Gabrielle Union, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, And this is a story of a public library in Cincinnati that, uh, during a very cold winter, is basically overtaken by homeless that need a place to stay. And so it becomes sort of, they've taken the public library hostage because they are making a stand saying, hey, we're people, we're valuable. Because the as the trailer sets up, you know, there was a homeless man that froze uh, the night before right outside the front door of the public library. And so it, it becomes, yes, your soft hijack film of, you know, what is the city's stance going to be on their, you know, responsibilities to, you know, the library as the last bastion of democracy and the uh, the hordes of homeless out there uh, making a stand that they are people too. I do not have any release information on this. I think it's still playing at festivals, so I, there isn't a date, but I think it's we're looking sometime in 2018. And I'm excited to see Emilio Estevez writing and directing. Uh, and I think this is, again, one of these sort of statement films that's going to get people hopefully talking about social issues, which I always have a soft spot for of films that want to get us to think about things. Yeah, I think it has a great feel to it. I haven't seen uh, anything else that Emilio Estevez has done. Um, you haven't seen Men at Work? Uh, I mean, that he's directed. Did he direct Men you at direct- Work? He, he wrote and directed Men at Work. No, I haven't seen anything that he's directed. So um, I'm curious about this one, though. It looks pretty interesting. Um, I, I like the vibe of it. I like the feel. Um, Michael Kenneth Williams, I think, is a, a really interesting actor and is kind of the, uh, the, the I, I guess you'd call him kind of the, the spokesman for the homeless in this particular story. Uh, he stands out as a really interesting uh, actor and, and, and a great face to kind of have these conversations with Emilio and kind of kind of push his buttons to see if he's going to take a stand against the system. Um, and he was great in The Wire. Um, he's been in uh, you know Twelve Years a Slave. Lots of great stuff. Um, it looks really interesting, and I'm curious about it. It's it's one that I wonder um, if it's in the end if it's going to end up just kind of feeling a little uh, um, uh, on the nose, or if it's going to really kind yeah. of stand out as something, but. I'm willing to uh, take a chance with it. It looks pretty interesting. Oh man, me too. The just the the cast alone, I, I think, is terrific. Um, but it's a it's an interesting story. You're right. I mean, it's something that's going to make you it, it's going to make you stop and think. And I I think it could be uh, a solid you know candidate for feel good movie of the year in quotes. So uh, you know, I'm in. All right. Awesome. Hey, Christian Slater. Anytime I see Christian Slater, you know, there's the Christian Slater thing. It doesn't matter. You got to see it. It's Christian Slater. Uh, I think I'm going to go next because uh, we're ramping up uh, to the uh, full uh, hostage 
stories <laughs> okay. we're, we're in intensity and mine is is slightly more intense than yours and definitely less intense than andy's this is the 1517 to paris it is the new film coming from director clint eastwood tells a story of american soldiers who discover or are, are in embroiled in a terrorist plot on a paris bound train it is a true story uh it's based on the book uh you you will never guess the title the 1517 to Paris, the true story of a terrorist, a train, and three American heroes by Jeffrey Stern. Uh, I, I don't know if that spoils anything. Um, so here's what's interesting about this trailer. It's, you know, it's Clint Eastwood. And I think his his trailers have, or his movies have, you know, they've they've moved in a certain ideological direction. So I think I, I feel like I know what I'm going to get out of this movie. But what is interesting about it is uh, it, it was back in... Uh, gosh, it was in June uh, of la- of this year that Eastwood announced that he had chosen Kyle Gallner, Jeremy Harris, and Alexander Ludwig to star as the three American heroes, uh, Alex Scarlatos, Anthony Sadler, and Spencer Stone uh, in the movie. And then in July, Eastwood came back and said, you know what, I'm just going to cast Scarlatos, Sadler, uh, and Stone to play themselves. So the soldiers who are the heroes that were on the train are playing themselves in the movie about their lives. I don't know what to think of that. Have we seen a movie that has done that before? I mean, I, I mean, I feel like there have been biopics where people who have been involved were in it, but I don't know of anywhere it's like a terrorist situation sort of thing. Right. It seems a little PTSD inducing. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe it's therapy. <laughs> or therapeutic. Know, I, I, that yeah. that is the thing that makes me curious about this movie. That's the thing that makes me, you know, battle the urge to say, eh, and and actually check it out because who knows? Uh, who knows what we're gonna get from these guys? It was interesting. The trailer was interesting. I I didn't get I I think a solid read on performances from these guys in this movie. Uh, they they looked to me a little bit like uh hey these guys aren't professional trained actors and they're they're playing the parts of themselves and maybe they've made themselves look actually less natural than they are in real life and uh so i'm i i don't know but i i'm really curious about this steve you actually had a hard time battling eh. uh yeah that that's the the challenge i have is Typically, when you're going to have someone play themselves, it's someone in the entertainment industry. So we see news anchors and you know playing themselves, you know, in movies, or you know, someone like Howard Stern, who's in the entertainment industry, playing himself in his own story. Uh, I think the, the closest we might get is Stan Lee, you know, playing himself in in small right. small cameos. But to to carry a, a full film is asking a lot of people that don't have that experience, expertise, and training. So, yes, it makes sense to cast them in the you know, story of the events that they've lived through, how well they're going to be able to get that across uh, visually. I, I don't know. So I, I'm intrigued. It's an, it's an interesting approach to telling the story. So I'm, I'm always up for a, you know, film like this that's going to give us, you know, a little bit more in-depth insight into actual you know events that occurred uh rather than what we can you know try to find online this is going to give us again one particular you know take we know we're going to get this story from their point of view clearly from these three guys so i'm i'm interested in this but again i don't know that 
I don't see this being, you know, alongside a lot of Eastwood's other work where it's clear this is like best picture, you know, we're getting some stellar performances. He may be able to get something surprising out of these three guys. I hope so. Um, so I'm, I'm just sort of on the fence on this one. I think on the fence is, is right, but deeply curious. And it's worth checking out the trailer uh, to just get a look mm-hmm. at these guys because they're, you know, it, it, it doesn't look, I mean, it's a, it's a solid trailer. It's a solid trailer that actually, you know, we, we know kind of where the story is going to go. We're already spoiled because of the, you know, because of the title. Uh, and uh, I, I think it, it does a good job of, of painting the picture of who these guys are and uh, before giving us a, a little hint at the actual incident that, um, you know, that that is their story. And so I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, so I'm looking at the rest of the cast. And so yeah. IMDb has this categorized as drama history. So I don't know when I see Tony Hale cast and Jaleel White, Jaleel White, I I have trouble (laughs) taking this seriously as a drama. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. You never know. It may be Tony Hale with the best supporting actor as gym teacher. (laughs) I don't know. Don't count your chickens, Steve. Okay. Uh, This one comes out. Go ahead. I was just saying, here are a few other people who played themselves, just so you know. Jackie Robinson played himself in the Jackie Robinson story. Uh, Decathlete, uh, Olympic decathlete Bob Matthias played himself in the Bob Matthias story. Uh, Muhammad Ali played himself in The Greatest. And uh, Audie Murphy uh, played himself in To Hell and Back. There's the closest, I guess, to this, where he played himself in, uh, you know, uh, in a story about his um, time in the war into hell and back. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we have Howard Stern playing himself in private parts. Yeah, and that was also a story of trauma, of great trauma, <laughs> speaking of PCSD. Yeah. This movie, 1517 to Paris, comes out in France on February 7th, UK and US February 9th. Uh, and it's we've got a couple more countries uh, throughout uh, South America, Russia, uh, and Europe opening the following two weeks. And that's all we know. All right, Andy, bring it home. All right, my trailer is Seven Days in Entebbe, uh, which is the uh, the film about the true events of the 1976 hijacking of an Air France flight en route to Tel Aviv to Paris, uh, and it gets uh, hijacked by uh, the uh, PLO. And it is a uh, it's it's a Another interesting hijacking story, um, and really it's about kind of the rescue mission that takes place um, afterward as the, uh, as the um, uh, what is it, the, uh, the Israeli Defense Force puts a plan into action to, uh, to save the, uh, the people. Um, it, uh, it, it looks like a really interesting story. It looks like kind of a, a definitely kind of a, I mean, it's a real full-on hijacking uh, in the context of our three trailers, I mean, here we have a whole plane that gets hijacked, dumped into a foreign country where, uh, at the time, Idi Amin was uh, uh, was uh, running the country, and uh, kind of he was in support of the hijackers. Um, he gave them a place to kind of hole up and everything, and uh, and it was just it was this big political mess, and and of course. The Israeli Defense Forces, you know, in the context of the whole thing, they do a rescue operation and then Idi Amin ends up uh, going and killing a bunch of uh, what is the country? I think it was Kenya that uh, that was helping and uh, he goes and attacks them. It just was a big political 
imbruglio, I guess you could say. Um, but this is the film version of it, and I'm really curious to see it. Um, Rosamund Pike stars as one of our uh, kidnappers, along with Daniel Bruhl, two very interesting actors I'm always excited by. Uh, Eddie Marson, who um, we've talked about on the show before on, um, uh, what was it, uh, um, The World's End. Uh, that's the one mm-hmm. I can remember we talked about. Um, he looks like a really interesting, uh, or he's do- giving an interesting performance as somebody, um, as a member of the Israel uh, Defense Forces and everything. Um, I'm really curious about uh, how this one is going to come down. Uh, uh, Jose Padilla is, uh, or Jose Padilla is, uh, is directing this. Um, he had done Elite Squad, which is a very, a very popular, um, and its sequel, uh, two very popular, popular Brazilian films before he went and decided to do Robocop, the, uh, the remake. Um, <laughs> but, that aside, I think he is a, a really interesting director with a, a definite good handle on intensity. So I'm very curious about this one. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I very excited about this. I think a great cast for this and a story again that I just don't know as much about as I should because of you know being very young at that time when this occurred. I believe. Um, so yeah, I always appreciate learning a little bit more about history through movies. Again, knowing that it's a fictionalized account, uh, but it, to me, a compelling story. And I think something to always reflect on in terms of current political scenarios and, and what's going on to give us that, have we learned anything from history and going back and looking at these stories and revisiting them and saying, are, are we, are we progressing as, as a global society or not? Uh, always an, you know, an approach that I take to watching a film like this, but I am intrigued because of the director. I keep hearing great things about Elite Squad uh, showing up on lists of movies you have to see, so not so excited about RoboCop remake, never saw that, <laughs> but uh, have heard great things about Elite Squad, so yeah, seeing this, I, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to see if I can find Elite Squad because I'm really impressed with what this trailer is giving me the I think to attract this type of cast, you've got to have a great script. You've got to, you know, a director that looks like from the trailer, getting some really solid performances out of this. And I think Eddie Marson, I think this is hopefully a film that's going to stop him from being one of those guys. And, you know, he's always these smaller parts that I'm always impressed with him and would like to see him doing so much more. So hopefully this is again, one of those that's just going to, keep building his career to being, you know, something larger for him because I think he deserves it. For me too, Rosamund Pike, Daniel Bruhl, and Eddie Marsan was seeing them in the trailer and just what they were taking on uh, in terms of those characters was, it just found it really compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Uh, the movie is going to be opening in March uh, here in the U.S., March 16th. It'll open uh, before that in the U.K., March 9th, and then Netherlands and Spain are getting it in April. Uh, that's it for release dates right now, but I'm expecting it to expand. So there you go. Seven days in Entebbe. Outstanding. Check the show notes for links, direct links to all of those great hijacking trailers. Uh, and now we've got to talk about the list. Yes, Andy. we do. So we uh, are talking about uh, the girl who played with fire this week. And last week we decided that our list should be about uh, great henchmen. 
as there is the fantastic um, henchman Niederman in uh, in the girl who played with fire that we learn is uh, uh, well, I guess we shouldn't say, but he is a big dangerous <laughs> thug with nice catch, nice the, uh, catch, Andy, with the, with the horrifying uh, addition that he can feel no pain. And uh, so with that, uh, we put our list together of our favorite um, bad guy movie henchmen. Let's keep going in the same order. Uh, Steve, why don't you start us off? This was a difficult list to put together, trying to stick with our general guidelines of not doing movies that we've talked about on the show in in detail. So I mm-hmm. I, I thought, okay, because I, I think the phrasing that we initially had was best sinister thugs, but I, di- I did get to the henchman route, and I sort of approached this with sort of the video game mentality of who's the one you have to get through before you get to the big bad boss, right? So that, that, <laughs> that henchman. So who's who's the barrier obstacle that we're fighting fighting past? And I'm going to have a an unconventional first pick because this is one of the henchmen that I think most frustrated me in a good way in terms of giving me lots of anxiety and frustration for my hero that I'm I'm rooting for this is that this is this character that just like oh my gosh I hate this person so much we we have to destroy this person and I'm talking about Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series she is like the greatest <laughs> henchman ever because she is not the physically imposing she's like the bureaucratic henchman that is able to thwart Harry at every turn and it just, oh my gosh, I love to hate her so much. With all of her, is, with all of which, her cats. With, <laughs> with their cats and her pink outfits. But she, because she doesn't seem imposing, she doesn't seem like the threat, but she is like one of the worst threats he faces in terms to getting done what he needs to get done. And to me, that's what makes her such a great henchman is, you know, being that absolute barrier and completely thwarting the hero at, at every possible opportunity. That's awesome. That is a fantastic choice. That's a great pick. <laughs> uh, all right. My my first one is, um, I also had a hard time. I realized the first like three or four that I picked were all movies we'd talked about. Uh, you know, great henchman, Mr. Joshua and Lethal Weapon. That was high. Mr. Hanks, Inspector. That was high on my list. Uh, and I ended up uh, going with uh, one that we... Uh, wait a minute. I, have to, I should search the site before I do this. Uh, I'll pick another one. I just realized I may, I may have picked another one that I haven't done. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with one that, um, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's a little unconventional. It is Lurtz the Urukai, uh, played by Lawrence Makoare, uh, who is henchman to Sauron in Lord of the Rings. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I it turns out um, that two of my picks are are actually uh, henchmen to great omniscient uh, uh, beings that are <laughs> bent on taking over the universe uh, in some way, shape, or form. I did not see that pattern erupting, uh, but I actually I thought this was a, a really creepy and excellent addition to uh, Lord of the Rings, and I think uh, Lawrence Makoare plays. Uh, a terrific um, maniacal leader of the Urukai uh, as uh, he crosses the plains uh, to to catch the fellowship. So uh, I thought it was great. That's my number one. That's a great one. And uh, very easily, there are a number of good other options in that uh, franchise that could also fall yeah. in as the, the henchman. Um, and I'm, I'm tempted to start there, but I'm not going to. Um, I am actually going to start with... Um, uh, one of the most memorable henchmen um, 
in a film from my youth that uh, still sticks with me in a film that probably was far too gory for me to watch uh, when it came out, but it just, it fueled my, uh, my fascination with uh, movie effects and just all the awesomeness that uh, could come of it. And it's just the incredibly over the top uh, fun and gory movie Paul Verhoeven did in 1987, RoboCop. With uh, the fantastic, <laughs> fantastic uh, Clarence Boddicker, uh, played by Kurtwood Smith, um, as just the maniacal and sadistic evil henchman for Dick Jones. Um, he is so awesome in this movie, and he's just so evil. Uh, just the way that he tortures um, uh, Officer Murphy at the beginning of the film when they catch him, you know, and and he's just so terrible and so perfect at being terrible i just i love everything that he does in the film and and he is just the the perfect henchman for the the corporate uh, dick jones and i just love seeing him in this film so that is my first choice robocop and the first <laughs> steal of the morning uh, <laughs> and i'm going third so i feel good about yeah, stealing no, i know you, you should you feel very good about no, that I, I think uh it was getting cast as is Boddicker in RoboCop that allowed Kurtwood Smith to be such an effective red foreman on that 70s show. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's true. Just, just such, such a great character. All right. So I'm staying on my unconventional route. And I think we're all going to, going to find ourselves in that, that area to find these films we haven't talked about. So again, uh, this one, another female henchman, to an extent and i think in this case being a henchman to a uh not a single character but sort of society and i'm talking about nurse ratchet from one flew over the cuckoo's nest sort of as the embodiment of the system and being that again force you know that our heroes are pushing against so she is my second unconventional and female henchman nice she's pretty evil pushing the gender boundary on the henchman i'm a little torn on her being the antagonist straight up in that film and and calling her a henchman but uh you know this this these lists are all about cheating so there you go (laughs) wait 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 how did it go from bending the rules to just oh stop cheating (laughs) it's not oh you're bending the rules now cheat okay straight up cheating i'm just cheating yeah yeah, it's a no i agree it's it's pushing but i i think you know what she in the story, what she represents is, you know, a larger force. And so I'll I'll make that argument. But I, I admit, yeah, I'm pushing it. That's OK. I, I forgive you. I might be pushing it on one of mine. We'll see if anything else of mine gets stolen before we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, mine is uh, I, I'm this one's on the clock. And the, the reason oh, I know it's legit <laughs> is because it's on our watch list for the next six months. Oh, uh, It is, in fact, our holiday movie. I'm talking about Carl Vresky, oh, yep. played by the fantastic dancer Alexander Goodenov, yes. henchman to Hans Gruber in Die Hard. That's our holiday movie of this year, coming up in just a couple of weeks. Yep. Good choice. I knew, you, <laughs> I knew one of you guys was going to take that one, so I stayed away from that. Uh, well, uh, well, kudos to you, sir. I tip my hat. Uh, with that, just in case, um, uh, I don't want this one to get stolen from me, so I'm just going for it, even though it was going to be my number one. Um, I am going with uh, the brilliant, brilliant uh, Count Rugen from The Princess Bride. 
Um, one of my favorite uh, movie sidekicks. Uh, it's just fantastic. And uh, I, I think that uh, Christopher Guest does such a great job as the six fingered man um, to the, uh, you know, who's the count to uh, Prince Humperdinck, brilliantly played by Chris Sarandon. Um, he is so great. The way that he uh, tortures uh, uh, Wesley is just fantastic. His demeanor is great. And of course, he has the brilliant line if you haven't got your health, then you haven't got anything. He's just, he's so good as he's, as he's doing his torture. Uh, and it's just, it's brilliant. And then, of course, the fact that he runs when he, when he's confronted. I oh, I love, I love Count Rugen and I love The Princess Bride. So that is my next pick. That's, that's a movie and, and that's a performance that, like, it's one of those where when you watch the movie as a kid and you're sort of taking on roles in your head, like, who would I be? Maybe the six fingered man is a candidate. And it's rare <laughs> to see the henchman as a candidate for my early movie fantasies. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so funny. And I really wanted six fingered gloves. I thought that was crazy cool. Oh, it was great. <laughs> what was could you great. do if you had an extra finger? Oh, man. You could torture do all people. All kinds of cool yes. stuff. So funny. <laughs> Steve, what's your next last one? So I, I kept trying to think, who are some great actors that play just great villains and henchmen? And it, it took me to a, an interesting little path because I, I all my good ones kept, I could not go with because, uh, you know, like you, you named several of them. So I ended up with Clancy Brown as Captain oh. Byron Hadley from Shawshank Redemption. Wow. Again, as you know, that, you know, sort of brute that, you know, isn't, again, I think the main antagonist, but again, that that force to, to get through, to get past and, and how Andy, you know, is able to sort of befriend him and get him on his side. But, you know, it's thinking about those characters that you just love to hate because they're so good at being just evil and mean. And to me. Clancy Brown is that actor, can do that so effectively. And I think, you know, Byron Hadley and Shawshank is just one of the great ones. That's it. Yeah, that's a great pick. Nice. Uh, it, it turns out we have talked about The Matrix, guys. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah my... I did because that was on my list. I said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, that really is, that's really We haven't talked about I... Matrix 2 or 3. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true uh but i i am actually gonna stick with uh with i think my favorite pick it is in a different sort of class of film perhaps uh it is one of the funniest movies that uh it, it, i have ever seen uh and that i think takes henchmen uh in in a new direction uh it is igor played by marty feldman Henchman to Gene Wilder's great <laughs> Dr. Frederick Frankenstein in Young Frankenstein. And, uh, it, you know, I have to go back. I actually had to look at, at the origins of the word henchman. Uh, and I, I have some history because I feel like I had to defend this pick because it's a comedy. And what we were talking about was clearly not a, a funny movie, the tie to the girl who played with fire. Do you know when the term henchman started being uh, started uh, sort of coming into favor? Anybody? Any guesses? No, when? Tell us, tell us. 1300s, Andy. The 1300s. It comes from the Old English word hengist, literally means horse, and refers to an employee otherwise known as a groom who would tend to a master's animals. Later, the term would be used to describe a page or hand scribe before the phrase being coined as a personal assistant by Highland Scottish chiefs 
in the 1700s, an advancement that would lead to much wider acknowledgement as a word to describe a right-hand man. Gotta get your right-hand man back. Minor history lesson done. Modern-day dictionary definition of a henchman has very little to do with tending to an employee's livestock. It does, however, define a faithful and trusted follower or political supporter of a powerful person, especially one who's prepared to engage in dubious activity, crime, or violence by way of service, like stealing brains and grave robbing. (laughs) I defend my comedic pick. I love that you actually brought the whole defense to it. That's fantastic. I had to do the whole thing. Yeah. I love it. Fantastic. Um, Well, Lots of great choices. I've had uh, a good number of mine stolen. So I'm going to go with one of my backups, which I think is a, an, in, it's actually a great choice. And I actually am glad I am going to do this one. I was actually uh, going through the list of Bond henchmen, trying to find a great henchman to throw in. And I'm like, should I do Odd Job? Should I do Jaws? Lots of great choices. But in the end, I decided one of the ones that I just had the most joy watching, uh, as much as I love those ones, is just the over-the-top insanity that Famke Jansen brings to Xenia on a top. <laughs> on a top! Yeah. <laughs> the sadistic henchwoman who uh, tortures and kills her enemies by crushing them between her thighs. Just <laughs> so brilliant. And I just, I love her as as as... As much as I have issues with Goldeneye as as a Bond film, um, it's still enjoyable, but it has plenty of issues. I think she was one of the the freshest uh, ideas to bring to the the Bond henchman, and I had so much fun watching her uh, in this role. It looked like she had a lot of fun playing the role. It was just over the top uh, Bond nonsense in its at its best. I had a great time. So that is my final pick, Famke Jansen, Xenia on a top in Goldeneye. That is a great oh, pick. I, yes. I was so close. I did. Uh, Steve, did you start with the Bond henchman too? That's definitely where I uh, went. Well, actually, my first thought was the German mechanic in Raiders of the Lost Ark. As yeah, but then but then it went then it went right to Bond, and I was like, okay, Pete and Andy are going to be all over these, so I'm just <laughs> avoiding that. But isn't yeah, that this, funny that we only ended up with one Bond pick? But it's but, it, but it's a great one because I think any yeah. any young boy watching that movie were, was you know, willing to die between her thighs. I don't think that, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, the, other, uh, the other Bond one is actually f- outside of Bond canon uh, for me, and that was uh, in Never Say Never Again, uh, oh. a henchman to, um, uh, to Klaus Maria Brandauer's uh, Maximilian Largo. Uh, it was, of course, Barbara Carrera paying the, playing the great Fatima Blasch. And when that final scene, when she gets skewered by the missile fountain pen uh, in the dark alley, uh, was just an amazing way to go. And I absolutely, I absolutely, she's trying to make him write, uh, write that she was the greatest lover ever. Yes. (laughs) The great, great Mr. Bond. Uh, That was a great way to go. So that was definitely on my list um, as a bonus. We we could have just done all Bond henchmen here. We could have done (laughs) all. Yeah, that's true. Uh, great list. Okay, so now we're going into uh, the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. Mm. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on our list for next week? Movies, Movies featuring hornet's nests. Insects? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that rules out the bee movie, right? Because yeah. the bees, <laughs> not the that's right. Okay. Not the bees nest. Okay. Uh, what are you thinking? And I, I'm, I'm working at a deficit. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I mean, I've seen it, but it's been a long, long, uh, it's been a long time, and so I haven't watched it yet for the movie this week. I, uh, uh, well, I mean, it's going to be the big trial for, for, uh, yeah. for her. I'm wondering if we uh, do like big trials, or we could do government conspiracies because it certainly is a big government conspiracy. Um, that is uh, covering up this whole, uh, all these shenanigans with uh, with Zala. Mm. Uh, so we could go, go that route, or uh, great movie tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to hang on to that one. <laughs> oh, yes, we are. Uh, I like great trials. Um, okay. Great, uh, great court, courtroom movies. Well, I, I think if it's going to be, uh, you know, something tied into this, just to... Sp- to narrow it down a tiny bit, because trials, I mean, obviously, can be yeah, huge. Yeah, it's a little broad. I think yeah. it needs to 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 focus in on on one, uh, you know, uh, one person who is kind of the uh, uh, the defendant, um, trying and they're trying to set them free. So, I mean, maybe where the protagonist is the defendant, not like something like Aaron Brockovich, where the system is coming apart or you know, whatever. You know, they're they're fighting the. Uh, uh, this whatever they were the the people dumping the toxic fuels or something I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about great protagonist defendants in trial movies. Yes, that's that are also potentially um, government conspiracies. Uh, government conspiracies. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds crazy. Government conspiracies. And by the way, not I, like Aaron Brockovich. Well, Aaron Brockovich actually kind of fits. Cause, well, no, because it's yeah, a bunch no, of it's not, a bunch of protagonists. It's like the entire town is the and there's not yeah and there's on, not really a trial person. I mean, I'm thinking we want to see courtroom action yeah. with the protagonists, you know, at the stand type of. That's the direction I'm hearing from this is that it's the we're in the courtroom and our defendant is. Our protagonist is involved in the court case. Okay, so that would knock out movies like A Few Good Men because our protagonist is the attorney. Yes, because you can't handle this list. You can't handle this list. That's that's where I was hoping you would go. Uh, okay, that's good. I could do that. I think I there's plenty, I think there's plenty in there. Yeah. Yep, I do too. That's a good list. That's a good list. All right, well, uh, we as we wrap up here, we are going to see... Star Wars and Star Wars again in some cases, and then we're going to talk about it tonight. So if you're listening to the show today, Saturday, uh, join us again in a few hours. We're going to be talking about it, um, uh, talking about it again on with the film board. I think it's a big film board tonight. I don't think anybody's skipping. Yeah, um, and and then that'll, that'll go live what Tuesday. Uh, yeah, that'll go live to well, yeah, it's Star Wars. Maybe we'll just throw it out there. Just Ooh, throw it out there, look Andy. At you. As soon as it's ready. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I, I want to give the Patreon folks a few days to to listen to it. So if you're listening to this, you will get it as soon as I'm finished editing it. Ooh. Wow. That's right. You're That's a giver. Right. Perk. Perk. Perks. <laughs> Yay. All right. Thanks, everybody. Happy, uh, happy Saturday to you guys. Uh, good luck with your car, Andy. Thank you. And uh, may the force be with you both. And that's what we've got for today. Thanks for listening, folks. (laughs) Zoinks, car horn.
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.